Neil Gaffin, and I'm an infectious disease specialist at the Valley Hospital in uh, Ridgewood, New Jersey. Dr. Gavin, thank you so much for talking to us about this. We just talked to you a few weeks ago about monkeypox and now polio, COVID, monkeypox, polio. You can't help but think that this might be a disturbing trend, is it? Well, we don't know, but it is very concerning that we're seeing several viral diseases, starting with COVID, just in a matter of a couple years. And now we're now seeing three, and particularly uh, polio, which we've nearly eradicated from the world over the past 60 or mm-hmm. so years. But I guess nearly eradicated, nearly is uh, is the key here. So it is not eradicated. And do you have any idea of the numbers, what the numbers are like with polio, which has reared its head recently? So just to give a brief, if I can, a brief please, um, please. intro. Polio is a word that's embedded in pretty much all of our heads. It's a disease that most of us, particularly younger than 70, 80, have never seen because there hasn't been a case of polio since about 1979 in this country. A mm. wild type or the common form that the vaccine was initially targeted against really disappeared from this country over 40 years ago. It has existed for thousands of years. Many people have been affected by it. Fortunately, a vaccine was made available in 1955 when it was rolled out, developed by Jonas Salk, that essentially eradicated the disease. So polio actually in briefly means gray, comes from the Greek word gray, and myelitis means matter or marrow, and it specifically attacks part of the central nervous system that affects motor function, and it can cause paralysis, which can be devastating and lifelong and is also deadly because if it paralyzes the muscles that are required for breathing, you can't breathe and will die. But the paralysis is is huge. And prior to the development of the vaccine in, in the 1950s, just before that, this country had yearly epidemics. There were 55,000 cases of paralytic polio the year before the vaccine was rolled out in 1955. That's a lot of cases, and we don't see that anymore in this country. So anyone older than 70 years old will certainly tell you that they knew someone who was stricken by polio, and it was a very devastating disease and caused tremendous fear in parents pretty much every summer because that's when the epidemic typically occurred. So fast forward, we developed medical science, developed a vaccine in the early 50s, and then another one that replaced that in the early 60s. And hence, vaccination took off in this country, and we eradicated the disease in the late 1970s. In terms of eradicating it in the world, since the mid-1980s, there's a campaign that was developed called the Global Eradication uh, Initiative for Polio. That reduced the disease in the world about 99.9% from the mid-80s on. There are still pockets of what we call wild-type polio in certain parts of the world, particularly Afghanistan and Pakistan, where the wild-type number one still exists. There are small pockets. So it's still around and more interesting, or I shouldn't say more interesting, but one peculiarity of, of polio and the vaccination, particularly the live oral vaccine, which most of us older folks, uh, Mm -hmm. P included, received when we were kids, and it was given usually in a sugar cube, 
And I actually remember getting that. Me too. Um, Me too. Yeah. (laughs) One of the interesting things about that vaccine is it's highly effective at preventing anyone from getting paralysis pretty much 100%. And it's very good at stopping people from transmitting it because it's shed or transmitted by what we call the fecal oral route. And children especially transmit this. That's why young children are immunized very early in life. But that or live oral vaccine, which is no longer given in this country since 2000, in other countries where it still is given, the virus in that vaccine, which is a weakened virus that can't cause paralysis, can sometimes, particularly in areas where there's very low vaccination rates, revert to a form of the virus that's able to cause paralysis. Okay, Mm -hmm. And that's a little confusing to folks. And it really happens in settings where the vaccination rates are very, very low. Okay, But if everyone's vaccinated with it, the likelihood of that happening is virtually nil. So we see pockets in the world where we have what's called vaccine-derived polio. So the virus can mutate from a form that is unable to cause disease into a form that's able to revert back to causing the neurologic disease. And it can take a while and it gets transmitted, you know, amongst people and it is able to do that. I will say, again, it's in areas where there's low vaccination. So to make a long story short, and I wanted to give that background, most of the cases of polio that still exist in the world are vaccine-derived poliovirus variants, okay? Okay. So again, this is happening in other countries that are still using the oral vaccine, which is used to control outbreaks and and eradicate the disease. So fast forward to a couple months ago in this country, where an unfortunate gentleman in Rockland County presented with paralysis, an otherwise healthy gentleman who was unvaccinated against polio, he developed polio and it was due to a vaccine-derived poliovirus variant that originated out of this country. So this unfortunate gentleman came in contact with someone, and there's usually what we call a chain of transmission, with someone who probably received the oral vaccine in another country and was passing it along you know, over time. And this unfortunate gentleman came in contact with that virus. And We've also subsequently learned that many of many wastewater or sewage water samples in Orange County, Rockland County, in New York City are containing that uh, virus variant in, in the sewage. So we know that it's being transmitted silently in these parts of New York. So do we know where this gentleman, I guess, patient zero here, where did he come into contact? Was it, I had been reading, the UK and Jerusalem have had quote-unquote outbreaks. Is there a connection with that? Well, there might be. We're not 100% sure. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. But they've also had, like you just mentioned, there has been detection of what we call the vaccine-derived poliovirus type 2 in those countries as well. So we do know that eight days before this gentleman developed symptoms, he did attend a large gathering. And this is publicly reported in the CDC's publication weekly as the MMWR. 
that really highlighted all the specifics of this particular case a couple weeks ago. But he did attend a large gathering eight days before the onset of symptoms, and it's quite possible that he came in contact with someone who may have been shedding this in their stool, and for whatever reason, you know, he he came in contact. And again, I will just this was an unvaccinated individual. If he had been vaccinated against polio, he would not have developed this disease. Is it still usual in the United States to vaccinate babies against polio? Yes, this is part of the routine childhood, important routine childhood immunizations. And I can't stress that more how important immunizing your child is. And complete vaccination consists of receipt of three vaccines, usually at two months, four months, and six to 18 months. That is what we consider the complete vaccine series for polio. When kids enter elementary school, they will get a booster shot, usually at ages four to six. But complete vaccination is at two, four, and six to 18 months. So from a public health standpoint, uh, what now that there has been this case of polio in Rockland? Well, one thing is sort of understanding what vaccination rates are. So you want to... What percentage of the population is actually susceptible? And if you look by zip code, you can actually, you know, county and then break it down even by zip code. Vaccination rates are, you know, they are, you can determine what vaccination rates are. They're as low by zip code as, as 30 to 40 percent in some areas in Rockland County. And even in Brooklyn, by zip code, as low as the 80 percent range. And that's close by. So nationwide, our polio vaccination rate immunization, completion of immunization series in children, about 93%. Not 100%, but if you then break it down by county, zip code, et cetera, I mean, you're seeing in Rockland as low as 35 to 40%. It dropped during COVID, um, but that is unacceptable. And what that tells us is that a lot of children are not receiving uh, the child immunization, and those children are vulnerable to getting a disease that was successfully eradicated many years ago. And it's concerning because we're detecting the virus in wastewater samples that can be tested, and it's circulating silently. And I will also mention that the majority of cases of polio, again, in most illnesses, indistinguishable from any other viral illness, you know, and most people who develop polio or, or get polio are completely asymptomatic. They never develop a problem. Nearly 100% either have asymptomatic disease or a very mild illness. Less than 1% of those folks will develop paralytic polio. And the, the estimate is about maybe one in 250, but that's that could be significant. Uh, and that suggests that, particularly in this gentleman's situation, if you look at it the other way, you know, 250 people were infected and he you know, was the, a one unlucky person. So the combination of isolation of the virus and wastewater samples with low vaccination rates suggests that there has been transmission in these communities. Do we know what kicks the uh, virus, the polio enterovirus, off to become paralytic? Uh, Or is it just one of those things? Or is it a comorbidity that the person may have that causes it to become uh, either fatal or uh, paralyzing? 
it, it doesn't discriminate. We don't, we know. don't know. No. Uh, and that was, again, before the Salk vaccine um, mm-hmm. was rolled out in the mid-50s. You know, this, this attacked every community. Um, and we all know very famous people, particularly a former president who was afflicted by polio, which, you know, years ago used to be called infantile. That was one of the names mm-hmm. was infantile paralysis. But this affected, you know, all walks of life. It doesn't discriminate. There's no rhyme or reason why one person may have asymptomatic disease and another may develop paralytic disease or death. It's interesting because I remember all those years ago getting the sugar cube vaccine with the, uh, I guess it was called Sabin syrup, uh, drizzled on top, of the, uh, on top of the sugar cube. It's hard for me to believe that going back all those years, I'm still protected against polio. Am I and other adults and baby boomers <laughs> along with me? Um, that's a very good question. In this country, because um, there hasn't been a case of wild type polio, which mm. which was again the original um, uh, type that the vaccine was uh, directed against, and there was three types: one, two, and three. You know that hasn't been in this country. We've eradicated it. It's you know, been eradicated from the Americas since the uh, mid '90s, but coupled with its eradication and a very high level of immunity. Uh, you also get into something called herd immunity. So it's we don't know the answer to how long you're, you know, quote unquote, protected from the vaccine. We don't really know for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, could be lifelong, maybe not. But if we start, you know, again, seeing more cases and an uptick, which hopefully we won't, there could be, um, you know, a movement to, you know, give booster shots. But we're way, we're very sort of far from that at this point. There's no recommendation. And at this point, if you've been vaccinated, um, the, the prevailing thought is that you're immune to the disease. But it's important that we at least know about this. So if it if, if it does get worse, at least we're prepared with, with some knowledge. And would you advise as we get into our autumn doctor's appointments and we start thinking about booster shots for COVID, the regular flu shot, would it be worth a conversation with the doctor to talk about polio? Absolutely. I think... The more educated everyone is about this, the better. Again, we don't see this anymore. And as generations pass, the people who remember this actually as a child and who have vivid memories of this are, are you know, no longer around. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're left, fortunately, one of the miracles of medicine is that uh, this generation and the genera- and, and generation before us are all vaccinated. Um, so we haven't seen this. We haven't seen the devastation that something like this can cause. So by all means, speaking with your physician about this and getting educated and, and having a better understanding and learning the importance of, of why a vaccination exists for this disease, because it is not eradicated from the world, um, is, is highly recommended. That's great. Anything else you want to add? That was a good place to conclude if you wanted to. Again, the best protection against this, which is 100% effective at preventing paralytic polio, uh, is just getting making sure you're vaccinated and vaccinating your children against it. 